Welcome to Conversations in Complexity. Today I'm joined by Dr. Michelle Nelson, who's a scientist in the Collaboratory for Research and Innovation at Bridgepoint Health, as well as the Lunenfeld Tannenbaum Research Institute. Good afternoon, Michelle. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come and talk with me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. So I want to start by finding out about you. Tell me about your background, where you did your studies, what sort of things motivated you, and how did you end up at the Bridgepoint Collaboratory? I became a recreation therapist with both a bachelor's and a master's of recreation studies. Got my first clinical job in Winnipeg. I then got a job in the Department of Family Medicine and really fell in love with the idea of community-based interventions and primary prevention. After that, I got a job in the Faculty of Pharmacy, where I subsequently did my PhD, looking at the experience of being a patient. So all of that combined with my interest in interprofessional education and practice led me to a postdoc in Toronto with Renee Lyons, Mm -hmm. looking at online interprofessional education initiatives, rehab, patient complexity. And then that turned into my current research appointment, and I've been here ever since. So you had to leave the world's most (laughs) wonderful city to come to Toronto. Spoken like two Winnipeggers. (laughs) Two Winnipeggers talking together. Let the record be, (laughs) let the record know. Tell me a bit more about your doctoral work. So you were in pharmacy? I was in the faculty of pharmacy, Yeah. um, looking at the experience of being a patient and how that influenced activities, Mm -hmm. so uh, the strategies of being a patient. And I did a comparative study looking at a phenomenology, looking at the experience of an inpatient population, so stroke rehab, Mm -hmm. and primary care. Ah, that's how you got into studies. I was going to ask you, how did you get into stroke rehab? So tell me a bit more about that. So, well, interestingly, my grandfather had a stroke when I was a very, very small child. And so he was somebody who the rehab system failed Mm. and went home. He didn't have long-term community-based rehab access and actually never spoke again. Mm. And so as a, even as a child living with his pre-existing health conditions and then the implications of a stroke, I always thought there was something wrong with that. And then living in long-term care, my parents tell this story all the time about how I was the kid that would visit him, but then I'd also visit all the other residents. Uh, so you're kind of drawn to that environment. So when I, you know, when I embarked on a career in healthcare, no one was surprised. Um, so I've always had an interest in stroke. So my doctoral work allowed me to look at stroke and primary care and really that relationship. I looked at the experience of being a patient and how that influenced the behaviors of being a patient. And, you know, not surprising, the approach to being a patient is very different, Mm -hmm. but the goal-oriented nature of achieving your own goals in those settings was the same. Excellent. So tell me a little bit about your research activities now. So you came from Winnipeg, worked with Renee as a postdoc, and that allowed you to evolve your own independent research program. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your current research interests, and then I'll follow that up with some questions about where you think you're going to go. Perfect. My work is really around collaborations. What do we need to do in relationships to actually help patients achieve, and their families achieve their goals, get the best outcomes experience possible? So I really have two main thrusts. The first is around helping clinicians and teams, so the organization and delivery of healthcare so that we can actually address health and social concerns. The second is an intersectoral collaboration focus around the use of engagement of the voluntary sector to achieve those same goals. 
So I have two kind of parallel programs of work, all focused on how do we support people to get the care they need, where they need it, from whom they need it, when they need it, et cetera, et cetera. So pushing on a little bit about in that, we often talk about the focus at the collaboratory here being complexity. Tell me how you understand complexity mm. and how does that fit into some of your current and future work? So when I started in the field, I really bought into the idea that there was something about patients that we needed to understand. And some of my early work looked at what are the elements of complexity that we need to understand about the patient in order for us to organize and deliver healthcare services. And so, you know, identified five domains of complexity. There was um, obviously their medical, functional, social determinants, mental health, caregiver engagement, system factors, which lines up quite nicely to a lot of the work of other that other people have done around trying to identify case and care complexity. So what is it about the person and what is it about how we organize service? We have done a lot of work trying to identify what it is about patients, what is it about people that creates challenges for us as healthcare providers or systems, but I think we need to take the inverse perspective, mm -hmm. that the way we organize, deliver, fund healthcare is in fact perpetuating the problem, you know, that identifying a and trying to prospectively identify what is it about someone that's going to be challenging and how do we use our decision-making or what decision-making skills, it's too difficult because we expect clinicians to use clinical practice guidelines. We fund a lot of uh, or some of our clinical programs based on adherence to. Our performance metrics are in line with those. And we know that those mechanisms don't match the actual patients that we see. Mm. This is quite a revolutionary agenda in many ways. So going back, if you don't mind, haven't prepared you for this question. <laughs> if you could go back to your grandfather's example and re-envision the system, you said that rehab had failed him. What would the counterfactual situation look like now that didn't fail him? Can you it's walk a great me question. It's very easy to identify in hindsight. Mm -hmm you know, that he probably should have been referred to community agencies or somebody should have taken into the account that he was a, you know, very traditional, rural living man who didn't want to go to the self-help group. You know, of course, it was in the 70s, so that also factors in. But I'm not sure that the problems have changed. And so the idea that the clinical teams that he engaged with couldn't take into account his specific mm -hmm. needs or his specific life situation. I think now, I would actually say that I do think that rehab services have evolved and that I do suspect that clinicians are often doing things in parallel to the clinical practice guidelines or in fact sometimes engaging in workarounds to help uh, individuals and their families achieve their goals. But we don't document them so those can't actually become the practice. So thinking about my grandfather, in ideal, or probably, you know, so access to longer inpatient rehab if necessary. Probably should have had some outpatient services. Community agencies and the not-for-profit sector could have probably helped. Um, helping my grandmother mm -hmm. deal with the realities of having somebody who had pre-existing health conditions and now fairly severe effects from his stroke. So thinking about that whole context it really does require, even today, a pretty fundamental shift about how we think about and then organize services. Yeah. So to that end, you hosted a workshop conference on 
a research agenda. It was a fabulous day. Can you tell us a bit about your thinking on bringing people together and what you were hoping to achieve and what's happening with that initiative? Sure. As I alluded to or said in the in the earlier part of our discussion, that my work is really transdisciplinary and it's very much built upon the notion of collaboration. And talking through a lot of the questions that come up around, I'm putting it in air quotes, patient complexity, as of yet to be better defined, we know that these types of wicked problems can't be addressed by single disciplines, single researchers, in single sectors. And so the point of the research agenda meeting was to bring together all of the stakeholders from clinical sectors, health agencies, research departments to say, if we were going to coalesce a research agenda around meeting this patient population's needs, what does that look like? Where do we start? What are the essential questions? So we actually had 48 clinicians, researchers, policymakers attend two days, and through that we generated a list of discrete questions. What do you think we need to address? And people came up with 120 questions. We then distilled that down to the 15 highest priority questions, which we then concept mapped into a research framework. And each of those questions is um, lined up to a research, to a domain, to a clinical sector, to a question that we're then going to enact. So the paper's just been accepted for publication, and we're now validating this. Yeah, Yeah, very excited about that. And so we're going to start enacting the framework through collaborations and, and partnerships with the funding agencies, hopefully. And so how, how do you see the challenges going forward with that group? There was a huge amount of energy and momentum. What are your thoughts about how to sustain that? Because I think your general view that we need you know, transdisciplinary, multi-sector approaches, but holding that together is good. you're going to learn an awful lot. So what are your, mm-hmm. where do you see the potential strengths and weaknesses going forward? You know, so we've been talking a lot. Um, We talked a lot about how do people engage? How do they buy into this idea? And so we asked people to identify for themselves if they were to identify three levels of commitment. You know, the sort of the core being, yeah, I want to work collaboratively. I want research programs that line up. I want to be able to contribute to a lot of the work. Sort of the next layer being people who want to be involved on an ad hoc, but they don't necessarily want to be fully joined at the hip. And then there were kind of the third level, which were people who wanted to be engaged, knowledge user ideally, maybe test sites occasionally. Yeah. But So they self-selected. So we then were able to figure out who we should go to for what, under what circumstances. So last question, where do you see yourself in five years? What would be ideal for Dr. Nelson as a researcher? Where would you like to see yourself in five years' time? I always like these questions. It also reminds me a bit of the adage that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, And really that's been my career is that where I thought I was going to be and where I've actually been at this point don't match at all. But if I were to work forward on my five-year goal, I really want this complexity network. I would like to be able to say that a coalition of like-minded and relevantly topic-interested colleagues have come together and that we are, in fact, collaboratively addressing problems, real problems, using good science uh, to actually improve things for patients, families, clinicians. And so it's a bit of a kind of a nebulous goal, and I think, you know, you break it down into, so if in five years I want to have a network, a fully functioning network with funding and training the next generation because I always think about my role as supporting the work and training the next generation. 
So I break that down into sort of stages. But five years from now, I think I want to be somebody that's actually pushed the system to change based on what we need, not continually to work within what we have. I think that's a fabulous vision and an outstanding place to conclude our discussion. Michelle, thank you so much. Thank you. A very illuminating discussion and I'm most grateful for you taking time to speak with us. Thank you. This was a real pleasure. (laughs) Okay, great. Thanks.